Dumelang Abushenuyen, hello, hi, Mzanzi, and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a No Holds Barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. I'm your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those medical shames and woes you dare not speak of in public. No bump or lump is too embarrassing here. You are in a safe space, Nana. Batong, it's already 12 days into the new year, Mzanzi, and it's also Veganuary. A curious friend in crisis joins us from Kribeja this week to get tips on how to start a plant-based journey. Do you have any tips about transitioning from meat-based to plant-based diet? A few years back, I tried keeping a vegetarian diet, but that only lasted for about four months because I felt weak. I've been wanting to make a full transition to plant-based diet, but I've been a little apprehensive because of my past experience with vegetarianism. Looking back, I realized that I wasn't supplementing nutrients and I wasn't combining micros to make macros. How do you get all the nutrients that you need? How do you solely eat plants without feeling lethargic or weak? Do you take supplements or protein powders? If so, what has worked best for you? Anonza, I got you. This week, we are joined by our guest, Arlene Nell, who is the Communications Manager at ProVeg South Africa. ProVeg is a food awareness organization with the mission to reduce the global consumption of animals by at least 50% by 2040. That's ambitious. Arlene, what is the difference between vegan, vegetarian, and flexitarian diet? This is a great place to start this conversation because It's very important to understand the differences between the different diets, not only to understand a person's dietary preferences better, but also to be more respectful. Because a lot of these diets, contrary to popular belief, isn't because the person is trying to be difficult or elitist. Many times it's due to serious health concerns or even religious practices. Uh, So I thought to zoom out a bit more to encompass the most common diets in South Africa which is anything from an omnivorous diet all the way to a vegan diet. We could start with omnivorous, which would encompass most South Africans, and it also includes almost all food groups. So this would be all meats, dairy, starches, vegetables, legumes, pulses, basically anything that you, that you can put on your plate. But very rarely this diet is nutritionally balanced. We'll find that meat, dairy, and refined starches tend to overpower this diet, which causes people not to get the right amount of nutrients and minerals in that they need, but also it tends to create a lot of health concerns along with that. Then we get a flexitarian diet, which a lot of people might subscribe to, but they probably didn't know that there's actually a name for it. As it says in the name of flexitarian diet, gives the person a bit more flexibility, even though it is a semi-vegetarian diet. So this diet basically encourages the active reduction in meat consumption. So the replacement of certain meat products with plant-based foods, and then obviously also the increase plant-based foods in the diet. So a good example of this would be someone that only eats meat over the weekends or on special occasions, or only when they are with family that eat meat with every meal. So this is one of the most popular diet choices currently because of environmental factors, health factors, you name it. 
and it is by far the dietary choice that is pushing the plant-based meat alternative market in South Africa and across the world to new heights. Then you get the pescatarian diet, which we tend to forget about, but it's commonly linked to certain religions. So it has a lot in common with vegetarianism, which we'll get to now. Basically, it includes a lot of plant-based foods, and they also tend to stay away from meat and poultry, but they do eat fish and other seafoods. And then the vegetarian diet. So vegetarians basically don't eat any kind of meat from an animal. That includes seafood or red meat and white meat. But they do include certain animal-derived products in their diet. And there are many different types of vegetarianism. But basically, they will include eggs, dairy, honey, and other animal-derived products in their diet. And then you get the vegan diet or veganism. And vegans avoid any animal products, period. So that is any meat from an animal, red meat, fish, white meat, as well as any animal-derived products. So that includes no eggs, dairy, honey, and any other animal-derived products, a lot of which we don't even know is being put into our food, like gelatins, flavorants, colorants, stabilizers that come from animals. And most vegans also include this way of living into other aspects of their life, such as their fashion choices, choosing not to use wool, leather, cashmere, or fur products, as well as any other products that they use, for example, personal care products, cleaning products, and even alcohol. If they choose to drink alcohol, they'll go for a vegan wine, which doesn't use an animal-based product as a filtrate. That's also a very interesting topic to go down. But it's important to remember all of this information now sitting in your lap that its diet isn't as rigid as it may appear as the categories that I just gave. Diets are fluid because of the pressures that we face in our daily busy lives, but also due to access, both physical and financial. So every person has to decide for themselves what works for them on a health level, a taste level, and an access level. And yes, of course, the more you move towards a vegan diet, the healthier it is for you and the better it is for animals, for food security, and for the environment. But the important thing is to do the best that you can with what you have. So at ProVeg, we always say the planet doesn't need a million vegans doing everything perfectly. We need a billion flexitarians doing it imperfectly. How does transitioning to a more plant-rich diet help you better your relationship with food? This is such a good and important question. A lot of people might perceive a more or even fully plant-based diet to be incredibly restrictive that you'd have to give up so many food items and treats that you love. But if you think about the average plate of food the average person eats, it usually contains about one meat, one animal protein, a starch, which is usually highly processed or just a very refined white starch, and maybe a vegetable or two. Yet, when you start to dabble in plant-rich cooking, you'll find that you start to experiment with foods that you never thought that you'd enjoy, or even pair with other foods. Your entire food experience becomes enriched. You learn more about the nutritional values of food, its benefits, ways of cooking it, and uh, what works for your body and what doesn't. So when you get stuck in the way, the very Western way, if you think about the SAD diet, the standard American diet, that way of cooking and thinking about food that we've been taught for generations, we restrict ourselves to the same mundane, reduced nutrition meals 
that not only make us feel sleepy after we've had it, right, but also don't give us adequate energy to have a productive day, let alone to make it through a day without grabbing uh, sugary and refined snacks because our bodies are craving instant gratification and more energy, which again, we won't be able to get from these snacks. And another important point to mention is that it doesn't have to be a cold turkey process, excuse the pun. You don't have to drop everything you've known about food your entire life overnight. Nothing done that way is very sustainable, according to me, whether it's eating healthier or exercising or any habit you want to change. Little by little wins the race. And you don't need to panic and feel like you need to be cooking like someone that's been vegan for eight years. Just start to incorporate more whole food, plant-based ingredients into your staple dishes. For example, and I always use this as an example because it works, add lentils or red kidney beans to any mince dish, like a bolognese. Then slowly but surely increase the number of legumes and pulses, so your lentils and your beans, and reduce the amount of meat. So not only will you save a lot of money because meat prices are rapidly increasing, But you'll also add more fiber to your diet, which is great for gut health. Think about fighting colorectal cancers, which are plaguing our country. But it also is great for your heart and artery health, as well as diabetes, because it significantly reduces the number of harmful fats and starches that you put into your system. But yes, I'm not a dietitian, so I would recommend anyone wanting to eat more plants to go and see your public health care professional. And if you can, a dietitian who's been specifically trained to tell you what's good for you to eat and what isn't. There has been some chatter around, especially African communities who say they have a long practice plant-based diet, especially veganism. I think I'm circling back to my first question, but where does the word veganism stem from? The word vegan will, of course, have different names in different cultures and languages, but the English term that we know and use today came from a man called Donald Watson the so-called father of veganism. He was the founder of the Vegan Society and he coined the word vegan in 1944. Apparently, he based the word on the first three and the last two letters of the word vegetarian because in his words, it marked the beginning and end of vegetarian or vegetarianism. So that's just the modern English or Western origin of the word, but several cultures around the world have been eating plant-based or even fully vegan diets long before Watson was born. Three religions in the East, known for their reduced meat consumption, is Hinduism, Jainism, and Buddhism. All three believe in the concept of ahimsa. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But basically that means kindness and non-violence toward all living things. The basic principle of modern-day veganism, really. And in Africa, the natural vegetation, what was able to survive and thrive, in these difficult and varying climates, what people farmed and harvested and even cultural and religious influences have made traditional everyday African meals mostly plant-based. Only after colonialism and the monetization of livestock farming did more and more Africans begin to eat meat and more of it. If you think of South Africa, staple plant-based dishes like samp and beans, chakalaka and pap, as well as the very strong Indian and Indonesian influences, which are either traditionally plant-based or easily adaptable to be vegan, we experience today, which came from Indian sugar plantation slaves and Malay slaves in the Cape many, many years ago. And even now, 
South Africa is the leader in the plant-based meat alternative space in Africa, whether it is through technological advancements, making it able for us to grow cultured meat in labs, or to make plant-based replicants of meat or even vegetable-based favorites like burger patties and sausages. Africa, given enough attention and investment, could really teach the global north a thing or two about veganism. Do you have any advice for others looking to take the leap into this kind of lifestyle? The best place to start is not to figure out what to eat or how, but to find a community for yourself to delve into your wellness journey with like-minded people who can advise you or even just go along on this journey with you. The easiest way for someone to lose interest in something new is by not being supported or not having a supportive community of like-minded people. If you are interested in delving deeper into plant-based wellness, now is actually the perfect time to do this because this is whether or not you're doing this for your health, to expand your food horizons, or to be a better custodian for the planet, including obviously the environment and all animals. Now is a very good time because every year in January, a global NGO called Veganuary challenges people from around the world to eat vegan for 31 days. So the word Veganuary is a mixture of January and vegan. As I mentioned, it's a 31-day challenge to eat completely plant-based or vegan. It's completely free to sign up. And once you do, it's not the case of you sign up and then you're on your own. You will receive daily emails with recipes, tips, blogs, videos, advice, anything that you'd need to help you on this journey. And the best of all is that you're not alone. This makes you part of a global community of people that are either doing the challenge again because they love it or people who are trying it for the first time. Uh, ProVeg is the official local NGO partner for Veganuary. So we'll also be sharing a lot of information, whether it's tips, recipes, information on new products in South Africa, restaurants, specials, and even events. So you can sign up for the Veganuary Challenge. I said it's completely for free, and you'll be able to find the link at the end of this podcast article, or you can go to any of our social media pages at ProVegZA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We share the sign-up link almost daily. And if you've tried Veganuary and at the end of January you, you want to continue on, but you don't feel comfortable enough yet to do it on your own or you haven't yet found your community, you can also go to ProVeg's website where we have a very similar challenge called the Veggie Challenge. So you can find this on our website, www.proveg.com forward slash ZA. The Veggie Challenge gives you the option to sign up throughout the year, so anytime you want to. And it also gives you the choice between three options to either try a vegan diet for a month or a vegetarian diet, or simply to incorporate more plant-based meals into your week. So you can choose to sign up to any one of these, and you'll also receive daily emails with advice, recipes, and links to a supportive community. Uh, and lastly, do it at your own pace and in your own way. Nothing that works for someone else might work for you and the other way around. There's no cookie-cutter way of doing this. You have to figure it out for yourself and that's part of the amazing journey is you get to do it at your own pace, in your own way, and no one should prescribe a way for you to do this. This is your journey and you have to make it your own. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Arlene. For more on our Veganuary chat, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. 
Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can send us an SOS on 0761320454. I would never blue tick you, babes. Like Arlene said, the choice to go plant-based lies in what works best for you. What works for you may not necessarily work for the next. What you choose to eat has profound effects on your overall health. Food is a healer, but diet alone cannot and should not replace medicine. Put in the work, but also be patient with yourself. If you want to be a veggie babe, be a veggie babe. That brings us to the end of episode 76 of Sisters Without Shame. Proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. Have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.